Thrive Mind. I am Meg, and I'm here with Dan Jimenez. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Meg. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Um, tell us first a little bit about yourself and about your new podcast. Oh, well, um, yeah. So Dan Jimenez, uh, native here to Utah for most of my life. Okay. And uh, But I do call myself Utah boy now. Mm. Uh, I've lived out of state for maybe a little bit less than half my life. but uh, So, yeah, you, sorry, you're here now. I'm here. Yeah, identify and I'm fine with it. Good. It takes uh, a while for yeah. some people, but. Yeah. It's, uh, so I work at a company called Chatbooks for my day job and then recently started uh, with a podcast with a local news company, KSL Sports, uh, about Formula One, which is uh, kind of becoming popular here in America through the Netflix series, Drive to Survive. Okay. And so we're just doing a podcast for new fans that uh, are trying to figure out what is F1 and why do I care. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. We've done it for a couple weeks now. For the two hive mind listeners who might be interested right. in F1, where do they find you? Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple, you know, anywhere you want to get. And the name of the podcast one more time. It is called Mode Push. Mode Push. An American view on F1. Okay. Can't wait to check it out. Know nothing about F1, but I'm sure you two are making it entertaining. Well, we, we're trying our best. We appreciate the support. But yeah, I realize that uh, it is a very niche uh, sport and interest here in the U.S. still. That's cool. Then. Uh, what have you been watching lately? So lately, my life has been consumed by the rehearsal. <laughs> and it has opened my worldview to what is possible in television. Okay, so that's why we brought you here today. Um, overall... Overall, like it or not like it? I like it. I came into it already a Nathan Fielder fan from uh, Nathan For You. So I was biased uh, at the beginning, but I watched it with my wife who hadn't seen Nathan For You and she enjoyed it as well. Uh, but uh, I, I, I did enjoy it and I'm looking forward to the next season. Do you feel complicated about it? Absolutely. Okay, tell me more about those complications. Well, it starts out pretty innocuous, right? That first episode. It starts out like Nathan for you. It starts out like, the, okay, I get what's going on here. Uh, they're just going to rehearse uh, experiences that people are nervous to have to get them ready, and there's going to be some you know, comedy to it. But then it takes a turn halfway through the season as you get into this life of Nathan joining uh, Angela who they had had brought onto the show to practice raising a kid mm -hmm. and Nathan himself gets personally involved. And then towards the end of the season in that last episode is you start to understand that like there's maybe some ethical dilemmas happening here in this show that I have now been a party to by watching it. Yes, I agree. And we'll get to our hot takes eventually here because I have some everyone who's watched this yes. has something to say even though I think the point of the show is like I dare you to try and say something about this yeah. regardless I'm gonna proffer my opinion but I want to ask you first did Nathan Fielder who is the comedian behind the show mm -hmm. the host quote-unquote of this show did he know what he was going to do? Did he have a beginning and an end of the show in mind when they started filming? Or it did it just like it. evolve? 
it feels like it evolved. It doesn't, it feels like they started with one intention because they have, you know, three episodes of we're practicing something here. We're actually rehearsing uh, for somebody else. And then the last half, it just takes a totally different direction. So I feel like they didn't really start with the end in mind or that uh, they found that this could be a, a much more engaging plot. And so they just stuck with him, his story, trying to uh, learn how to parent. So you think it was a complete pivot? I don't know show business. I, I, I should probably not be so jaded that to think that, that they would um, do that. But I, I want to believe that it was, that a, it was pivot. a pivot. Yeah. I want to believe that he knew what he was doing from beginning to yeah. end. It feels a lot less morally complicated to me if he knew yeah. what he was doing, uh, because the way this ends, it, which maybe let's talk about this season ends. So the experiment, the rehearsal, quote unquote, that he's doing with Angela is she wants to decide if she can be a mother, right. if she can handle parenthood. And so they bring in children to play Jacob. Is that the kid's name? Uh, Adam. Adam. Adam is the, is the, yeah. Uh, and yeah. because kids can only work for certain sets of time, they're constantly rotating these kids out, which we talked about in our last episode mm-hmm. on the rehearsal. Um, and it's a really funny logistics to watch them like bringing in babies in the middle of the night and switching through them the out. window, through yeah. the window, and the baby and, and the kids can't stay there the night, so they have this robot mannequin that cries. It's hilarious. It's it's, it's insane. Truly absurd in a way that really delighted me. Eventually. After a botched hookup or not hookup, he wish it was a hookup with Robin, Scion TC. Just the best. Just the best person we've ever seen on television by far. And I don't feel at all morally complicated about him because he was clearly such a terrible person. Right. I was like, even if Nathan Fielder is mean and this whole show is mean, this guy deserves it. (laughs) Like, I have no qualms about that whatsoever. Um. What does get complicated is, you know, these kids are coming in and out. Babies, toddlers, too young to understand what's happening. The older kids are like kids who actually want to be actors. Yeah. But then there's this weird middle area of like five and six-year-olds who can't quite understand that this is a performance. Right. And it gets really complicated with one of the kids, Remy, who is six, who doesn't have a dad. Yes. So he's spending time with Nathan, calling him daddy. Mm-hmm. When his mom comes to pick him up, he really doesn't want to leave. Yep. And he keeps talking about daddy, yep. Nathan Fielder. And the entire last episode is them trying to reckon with what they have done to this six-year-old. And that's where that's things get twist. really gnarly. And uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Dan, was it worth it? I think so. Well, it was worth to it was worth it to me to finish the show for sure. Was it worth it for HBO to sponsor this? I I mean, it's uh it was incredible to see Nathan just it, it it's like it dawned on him like he just got hit with it like oh no what have I done how am I going to fix this? But then his way of going about fixing it was like still doing this rehearsal like getting another Adam to come in to be his friend. And like in that last episode where they go and they like stake out Remy's real house and then they go back and recreate Remy's real house so that they could practice with another Adam 
the conversation that they're going to have, it just keeps continues to go down like multiple levels that you can't believe they're keeping it up and just haven't stopped the show. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to talk about this. Um, I've spent, you can't watch a show and not spend a good, what, like 40 hours a week processing it right. after the fact. And I spend a lot of my time thinking about and writing about reality television. Mm-hmm. And I spend a lot of my time thinking about and processing parenthood, which I know you do as well. Yeah. And I feel like these last couple of episodes were such a wood plank to the head <laughs> in terms of exploitation of children mm-hmm. and what reality TV is doing to society. It feels it felt like it completely redefined reality TV for me. It feels like a, a new category of reality TV. In a way that it was they might as well just have put a mirror on the screen and made you like watch yourself watching this and be completely disgusted with yourself. <laughs> right. you, yeah. It made me so uncomfortable in a way that probably all reality TV should make me uncomfortable. But other TV is so good at polishing it and making it feel fuzzy and warm and strictly entertaining. And this is like, no, these are lives that are being ruined. And now you have to deal with this. Yes. Now you're a part of it. Talking to our common friend, Emily Hutchison King. Co-host the of, legend. of this podcast. Emily described it like that, where she, that, that, uh, Watching Angela and Nathan interact, she said, held a mirror up to her own relationship <laughs> with her and Eddie, which I find hilarious because they just seem like the most laid back, easygoing people ever. But, you know, Angela telling Nathan to go downstairs and check on the cookies to see if they're done. Emily's like, that's me. That's yeah. me. And I don't like seeing that. And that's Eddie. Eddie will just say, yeah, sure. OK, I'll go down and check the cookies, which I just think is so funny. Yeah, I think that this show makes a lot of people really uncomfortable because they see themselves in it in one way or another. Like as a parent, I watched this and I was like, you know, like (laughs) how many times have I put my kids on Instagram for my Mm -hmm. own validation? You know, why am I doing that? Why did this mom sign her kid up? You think about these, these parents that are okay. uh, I want my kid to be an actor. My kid wants to be an actor. So I'm going to show up and we're going to do this. And then, the, what you're subjecting your kids to, I felt I felt bad for the kids. I did too. And I my first instinct was to be like disgusted with the show and with Nathan, you know, but then I was like, at least he's being honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. No one else in media is being honest about it. That's and I think point. they might care less about yeah. these kids. There's That's that episode of Nathan for you where he sets up the like essentially elaborate contraption where I don't remember the specifics, but something has to happen within a certain amount of time or Nathan will expose himself to all oh, of these yes, children. The, the claw of shame. Yes. yes. And he asks the parents and he's like, do any of you have an issue with this? And none of them speak up. You can't, be- I can't believe that. I feel like he's playing on that theme here. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like what, what are parents doing to their children? Yeah. You just, I kept thinking through every episode is who are these people that are signing up for the show? What are the, what is their motivation? What are they getting out of this? Obviously they're being paid to be on the show. They're all signing this, you know, appearance release. Uh, and it, it's just so fascinating what people are willing to go through and 
play along with. It's almost like they were hypnotized in a way. Like, in, like they say that people who get hypnotized know what's going on. They haven't lost their free will, but they're just in such a trance that they're willing to kind of almost act in any any manner. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's what's happening with these people that sign up. Like that episode where he goes down and does teaches the fielder method of acting in L.A. and they get like 12 actors to sh- sign, show up and, and sign up to to do this. I'm like, what are, what are these people doing? They just want to be on HBO. They heard it's an HBO show and so they're showing up. And why did they not look this guy up? But then would I? Would I look him up? <laughs> you know, you like you remember um, Stephen Colbert. He would get all these interviews with like Jason Chaffetz, right? right? And it was like, did no one on his staff know who Colbert is? And think what to look this is? guy up? You know, yeah. like, but I don't know. I don't know that the average person knows to do that. Which leads me to my next question. Is this show mean? I think that Everyone is willing participants. I, I, I can't. The kids? The kids' parents, certainly. Yeah. I, and that's and, the problem, up until, right? Up until episode 5.8, I would have said, no, this is all fine. But as soon as Remy thought that Nathan was his dad in real life, whew. Yeah. No, no, I, I it really turned. And I was like, okay, I feel bad for having watched this and supported this now because I feel for Remy. Right. But... Is it not better that you feel for Remy and you're contemplating the ramifications of our reality TV landscape or entertainment landscape and how we're treating children as content in one way or another across the board and are keeping that in mind as you consume content moving forward? Yeah, that's a great point. I totally. Or should this just never have happened? I think I feel terrible. Six year olds are. All a mess. Yeah. Remy's going to be okay, I think. Yeah. I mean, my kid's in a phase where he's calling everyone but, you know, like I don't think that's like a chronic problem. You know, kids <laughs> are just like a lot and they have uh-huh. a lot of emotions and I think he'll be okay. Yeah. And I think the editing probably dramatizes a little bit. Certainly. I still feel conflicted about it. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, I'm like, I learned something here. I will not watch another, real- certainly reality TV show in the same way again. After having watched this, how show. will you watch it differently? Just to think, you know, take Real Housewives for example. I would love to. Uh, favorite show of ours. It's you know that this is highly produced. That these people have like transformed their lives from being like more or less normal life into uh, I'm a TV star now, and everything I do must be. You know, it's like they're acting right, and but there's just so many negative repercussions on their life that like they sacrifice in order to be a TV star. That as I watch other shows, I'll be thinking of, you know, what trade-offs have they made in their life to, it, like, has it really paid off for them, right? Like, yeah. it's just there's so much behind the scenes that we don't ever think about once the show turns off yeah. that I think that the the uh, the rehearsal has made me think about. Yeah. Um, the Bachelor, they're, you know, they've had a real come to Jesus in the last five years with a lot of different things, mostly Mm. I think sparked by black lives matter. And Mm. even before that, there were some racial issues. Um, but there's been a lot of like, here's what's actually going on behind the scenes. And one of the products of that conversation is a lot of the contestants talking about their mental health Mm. and what a beating it takes after the show. 
and how the, what you see on screen is this fairy tale playing out and then they are getting like onslaughts of abuse all this self-questioning watching the show back it's really hard for them and there's no support for that right and it's like oh what are we doing to these people mm-hmm. for our entertainment sure like they'll get an instagram following and fame and maybe money but like are we being careful enough yeah the, what's the uh, the joke, the Gaffigan joke that watching reality TV is like eating at McDonald's? You know, you just feel a little guilty about it, but you still enjoy it. Well, right? and I don't, I think that the reality, I'm using the word reality a lot, but reality TV is here. Our last president was a reality TV star. <laughs> like, you, we're just not in a place anymore where you can be like, I'm just not going to pay attention to right. this genre because I'm above it. Like, mm-hmm. it's a part of it, part of us. So we have to learn how to be more literate in consuming it. Yeah. And I think that the rehearsal demonstrated that message better than any content I've seen previously. I totally agree. And it hurt really bad. Yeah. To consume. It it hurt and there were there were gr- big highs. I've laughed the hardest I've ever laughed in my life happened watching the rehearsal. And I'm not Tell me which part. So the gold digger episode. I don't know if you remember that they they were le- they were helping a guy. I think his name was Patrick. Yes. Re- rehearse talking to his older brother about getting his share of his grandpa's inheritance, uh, because his older brother thought his girlfriend was a gold digger. Right. So they're practicing that, and Nathan makes this observation of, oh, "I need to get Patrick to actually feel the feelings he's going to have when he actually has this conversation, so he can get through the nerves." So in order to do that, he almost plays a trick on on Patrick right. and gets Patrick to go with uh, the actor that is, is his kind of acting partner that's standing in for his brother to go to his supposed grandfather's farm to help him do, you know, put something in his truck. And while they're there, they coordinate this whole fight between the actor and the actor's grandfather. The actor storms off. The grandfather's just sitting there and says, hey, can I need to go out into the woods and find something I dug up. Will you come help me? So now Patrick thinks this is all real, but it's all produced by Nate, by Nathan in the show. So they get him out into the woods They're They want to help him create this bond. And Nathan makes this callback to something that Patrick has said uh, about his real life grandpa that he had to uh, multiple times help um, clean his, his, uh, his grandfather for lack of a better term. Yeah. And so Nathan decides to reproduce this moment to create this artificial bond between yes. the actor grandpa and Patrick, the real person. And the, the moment I realized what they were about to do, like broke my brain. Yeah. That they were going to have this person who is on a television show, but doesn't think that he's on a television show in this particular moment and is actually helping out this old man who's now going behind a tree to do his business and is now going to ask Patrick to help clean him. I, I just couldn't believe how funny that was to me in the moment. I, I fell off the couch. I was hyperventilating. I just, I was like, this is what something would have come from Nathan for you, but we're like 10 times beyond oh, that. Oh, yeah. The stakes are like out of control, out of control. And it's <laughs> that, so much funnier for That it. they were able to get this guy who signed up for this show to go that far uh, into, uh, you know, and, and get that invested into, okay, now. And then what they do is they follow up the next day and, uh, the the grandpa quote unquote dies and then the actor like has a day off and then comes back and it says like uh, oh hey my grandpa said that he promised you some of this gold that you dug up that's the other thing too is that they were literally uh, digging for gold yeah uh, and the guy didn't catch that this was a play on the fact that his girlfriend in real life is a gold digger. <laughs> 
I actually didn't put that together till right now. It's, it's insane. Embarrassed. Yeah. Um, how much I felt so much more endeared to that guy after he helped this old stranger man clean up. I'm like, oh, maybe this guy's all right. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay. The funniest moment for me was when Angela decides she wants to garden, but she's having <laughs> Nathan do all of the gardening. And you see the crew plant peppers, bell peppers in the dirt. Straight from the grocery store. Just like a single bell pepper with the sticker still on poking out of the dirt. I was laughing. That's the moment where I was like, this show. And even the the OD episode, right? Which is so brutal. With the teen kid. Can he live without a father? And at the very end where the kid pokes out of the slide and says, is that it? Lost my mind. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eli, welcome. Hi, sorry I'm late. That's okay. We <laughs> are. Uh, you actually came at a good time because okay. we've already got through like, what does this show mean? And what who does it are mean? We? And, and who are we? Did we answer those yeah, questions? Yeah, you'll have to listen to find out. Okay. Right. Now we're yeah. talking about our favorite, <laughs> just straight up funny moments from the rehearsal. Yeah. Well, the kid, so the 15 year old kid, by the way, star performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That kid is incredible. He did a great job. Yeah, and I have a I have a problem with child actors generally. Fifteen is you're you're kind of getting out of the child actor, you know. But a lot of the kids in this were a little much for me, especially the the nine year old that they ended with. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kid, I was like, I, I would like I want to see him star in some things going forward. Yeah, the line the you're a disaster, my guy at the kitchen yeah. table, just all time great line <laughs> yeah. in television history. Yeah. I, I love what it, and speaking of funny moments with him, I love when Nathan goes to talk to him after they had the initial kind of reunion and he's like, Hey, can we like break character for a second? And the kid's like, uh, Oh yeah. Like we're breaking character. And then he's like, so is that really how you would act? He's like, well, not really, but you're not giving me much. Like, yeah. basically, like, you sort of just partner. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. The nine-year-old was really funny too. The nine-year-old I was, was yeah, really funny. Yeah. He was over the top in his acting, but he was funny when he was out of character. <laughs> I also thought the um, the part, one of the parts where I laughed the hardest, which is probably inappropriate, but was where he has the Jewish tutor come over. Oh. And they're just having a pretty normal conversation. And then she starts lecturing him on his need to use his platform to defend Israel. Yeah. And you can tell how much he wants to disengage. Nathan just yeah. turns off in that moment. And she just keeps going, like, <laughs> through the credits. And I'm like, where do they find these people? You know, how does he have such a gift? But maybe it's just the kind of people who are unable to Google Nathan Fielder. Who <laughs> right. To be on this thing. Yeah. 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 I loved the part, I think it was the last episode, where he's trying to recreate those early moments. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And there's they keep like upping the age of the kid in that one scene where he like jumps on Nathan and wrestles with him. And he thinks that's when he made the bond with Remy that kind yeah. of started to screw things up. And then, like, a 16-year-old comes out in a, like, onesie pajama and starts, like, play with me, Daddy, and he's jumping all over Nathan. That, that for my wife and I, that was a highlight. An incredible. There's the quick shot. It, maybe it was a 16 I thought it was a grown adult that, that was pretending to be six, and there's that one shot of, of him standing oh, out. That's right. He's smoking. That's standing right. outside smoking. <laughs> and he's like, and then it was even weirder when I did it with dolls. And it shows him dragging dolls around the house. It's like, what am I watching? What is this? Which, by the way, watching this thing, I, I don't think his humor is, is my humor, although I was very entertained by this. Mm-hmm. Watching this, I just rotated between, like, amused, 
frustrated and sad. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, they were genuinely, like, the last two episodes, I cried several times because I was just like, and I don't, I was not expecting that to happen in this show. No, no. It was it was a turn there as soon as, as Remy, you realize that he's just identifying with Nathan. Just start to feel for the kid. It's a total turn, you know? Yeah, so so the question, Skylar and I were talking about this yesterday. How how much should they have anticipated that? Because, like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's too bad. And, and you can tell, like, even Nathan breaks from his own kind of character, and you can tell that he's like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. what did I do to this kid? And he feels... I think he feels genuinely bad about it. But then I got thinking about it after and I was like, well, should they have foreseen that with like a six year old? So <laughs> you missed it. But we were we were talking about whether or not we think Nathan knew from the beginning what this would be. Uh huh. I would be more comforted to know that he had. Um, there's a lot of Remy we don't see, mm-hmm. you know, and who knows what's on the cutting room floor. Mm hmm. Um, I think that Remy's okay, and I think that Nathan Fielder did us all a service by making us sit and watch that to be better aware of how we're consuming media, especially when it comes to exploitation of children. Mm-hmm. That I think that's probably right, but but again, I was just wondering. He still did exploit a child, though. Like, he made us grapple with that, but then he also did the thing. Did he exploit a child, or did his the mother exploit the child? Well, he did. It was his platform. That his mother signed up for. Yeah, but that you can make that argument with any child that enters show business, right? It's like, well, the parents signed them up. I know, but is Instagram exploiting children, or are their parents? I don't know. See, these are the things we have to wrestle with moving forward. They're heavy questions. Although, yeah. Although yeah. Instagram is a heavy show. Yeah. It, yeah. Insta- it's a hilarious show and a very heavy show. Instagram isn't booking a six year old to come and do something like this. Like Nathan did. Yeah. And he could have known and should have known if he what didn't have, you know, a dad at home. You yeah. Know, living with a single mom and make that correlation early on. I was like, oh, that this could be rough, you know, experience mm-hmm. for the kid. Maybe we shouldn't cast any kids that have that situation at home. Mm-hmm. Would he know that? I, you, you, should you he have known that? that? Yeah, should he have? Yeah, I think so. Brought in a child psychologist. I I feel like the the mom when when we meet the mom and hear her talk about it, she to me just seemed really naive. And mm. after the fact, was like, oh, I should you know I should have been more careful. I guess I just expect more of him because he is he has obviously tons of resources. He has a billion people around him that he can consult with. Um, this is his job. And so it was kind of like, I don't really fault the mom in this case. She learned a hard lesson from this, maybe. But like you could tell she was just like, uh, why did we do this? I thought this would be a fun thing for us. And now, like, I'm dealing with the aftermath of this. And with him, I, d- I think I just maybe expect a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good take. I'm with Skylar. Eli. Or Eli, yeah, well, both. It was Skyler and I have the guys, same take. Yeah. Yeah. They're the same I, person. I speak for the two. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's crucial that he showed that scene of him calling all the parents and getting them to sign off. Yeah, I think that that was very intentional and included in anticipation of that last episode. Obviously, yeah. I I don't know. I don't. I don't know that there's a right answer. And I think that's maybe the point of the whole show is like, I dare you to find the truth behind this. And I dare you to have a take that will actually be accurate to what we were trying to do here. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it was upsetting. It was hard. It was also really, really funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a mixed bag of feelings finishing the season that made me think, what is season two going to be? Yeah. You know, I, I, I have no con- conception right now. Is it going to be uh, like how it started, where every episode's a new person that they're trying to help out? Or is it going to be a continuation of this story around Nathan trying to figure out what, you know, can I rehearse portions of my life that I haven't experienced yet? I, I don't know what direction they're going to go. Mm. All I know is they're going to spend a lot of money because it seemed like they exhausted all of HBO's resources to produce this show because oh it was gosh, so you just, much. you couldn't believe uh, the amount of detail that they took uh, in attention to detail with all these sets. It was incredible. Yeah, but it's probably like five minutes of House of Dragons, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was interesting, too, how it turned out in the end, Nathan was really the only one taking it very seriously. Like Angela was interacting with the kids as though they were actors. Like she wasn't pretending they were her children. Yeah. I kind of had some sympathy for her on that. She's a, she's a lot. <laughs> but when it, when it kind of got to that point where she was like, there's no end in sight to this thing. Like they yeah. went back to a six-year-old again. And I... I think that she like maybe after a little bit got to a point where she's just like, this is seriously, I have to keep doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Which like she signed up for it, but I don't know. Yeah. But she's bizarre. She is a weirdo. (laughs) They're all weirdos, which again, like that's why I'm like, okay, whatever. With the kid, it's like, you know, like that feels mean. With the adults, I'm like, you love Mel Gibson. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And you're saying these things. (laughs) You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be this weird, yep, or yeah. oblivious yeah. on television, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that he was the only one really committed to the bit, mm-hmm. aside from maybe like Remy, it was just super interesting in the end. Yeah, yeah. There's there's speculation out there that Angela was an actress. Uh, if you go back and look at you know what did she do before the show, she had some very very minor sporadic you know, uh, attempts at being an actress and the, maybe this was what she thought would be like her, her, her big, you know, debut. But I, I, I like people that went back and researched her Facebook and social media. She has been that person, the, the, uh, extreme Christian, just, she's been that way for years and years and years. So it's not like she created oh. this character yeah. for the show. She was just who she was in real life. Yeah. But th- I mean, that's anyone on any reality t- TV show, right? Like they want to be an actor most like every year on the bachelor they're like can you believe this guy wanted to be an actor and it's like look around you're all on tv you all yeah. signed up for this yeah. to be on tv anyone yeah. who's signing up for the rehearsal wants to be on tv and wants to be famous or wants their kid to be famous mm. yeah i was gonna say if if that was a bit she nailed it because <laughs> yeah. it's very, very believable yeah i mean you can't take your eyes off of her she's just so bizarre and I still think the highlight was Robin. Um, everything that came out of Robin's mouth, uh, upright miracle status, like was uh-huh. just, he was so, the argument he had with his roommate was some of the choicest TV I've ever watched. Did I read that the roommate died? What? Oh. Yeah, there was like some, people were tweeting about it last week. I think the roommate's dead now. Okay. Oh boy. That story is very weird. That whole thing is very weird. I saw a, a tweet from Robin's brother in real life saying something like, well, now you know why I don't talk to, to my yeah. brother, right? Yeah. yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the very last scene? Because I am a bit confused about what we were supposed to make of it. Yeah, run us through it. So you've got Nathan. He is 
wearing makeup and he's supposed to be playing the mother of the six-year-old and he's recreating a conversation with the nine-year-old who's now playing the six-year-old and they're trying to like cope with the fact that they just went through this thing and then Nathan just starts sobbing and says something to the effect of like, I'm really glad that I got to be your dad. And then the nine-year-old's like, you mean mom? Because he's supposed to be playing he's the mom. To, yeah. And he's like, no, dad, or whatever. And then they just cry and hug. And that's how it ends. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> is it, is any part of him serious? What is happening well, right no. now? To answer that question, no. <laughs> and it's I'm actually like super bummed we're not hearing more from Nathan right now. Um, because he's really, really funny in interviews. And, like, I haven't been able to find mm. many interviews he's done. And I think that's maybe intentional that mm-hmm. he just kind of wants people to, like, sit with this and be like, WTF was yeah. that? Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I have, like, some takes. I think it's more of, like, again, he's the only one really taking this seriously. And the show is ultimately about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how he's trying to figure all of this out, and Figuring like out his own personal life, and but deal is that real? Is he really trying to figure out anything about himself, or is this just all a bit? I mean, what, I, when is he being? When is he being serious? Because again, I think I think he genuinely felt bad about what happened with the six year old. I agree. Um, were there other moments where it's like, oh, this is him actually I, being serious on the show? Yes. No. Yeah. I don't even know if that was that serious. I, again, I think that there's a lot on the cutting room floor we didn't see, and okay. I think that there was probably a lot of work done with Remy that they didn't put in the show because it would have made it too easy for us to be like, oh, he's fine. So the reality is a six-year-old threw a brief tantrum, but the edit made it look like the six-year-old was going through an existential crisis. I don't think crisis. HBO would have shown it otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think that that's like opening up way too many litigation issues. And the mom is just like going along with it and pretending to cry and... I mean, I think they were briefly upset, but I think yeah. they like resolved it. Okay, you know, but they only showed that uncomfort for the show. Interesting. But I think the thesis, if there is one, which again, like I think part of the show is to say, like, go ahead, try and make a thesis here. It's impossible, <laughs> but as a journalist, I have to try. Is that like? There's no separating entertainment from real life, from comedy, from uh, brutality in media anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you'd have to sit with all of it and deal with the implications of all of it. And I think the last scene is like, good luck. Good luck dealing with it. Huh. Interesting. It's like the uh, feeling that I had at the end of Inception, right? That spinning top Mm -hmm. on the table and then it cuts and you don't you don't get any closure. Right. And you're left to debate and, and, and discuss what did I just watch? Yeah. And That's then you're like, how I felt. why didn't he bring the kids to France? Right. Or he go to France. Leo. <laughs> Dan, thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much for the invite. I feel like pleasure. I have more questions than answers now. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> season two, here we come. Whatever it is. I mean, will you watch season two? Yeah, I think I'd watch it. I uh, I told you because I watched the first two episodes of this and I was like kind of frustrated with it. And then I decided to finish it so that we could record this. And I genuinely enjoyed it. OK. Yeah, I did. I was I was very impressed. Um, He's obviously a genius. There you know. is a conversation he has with Bill Simmons of The Ringer mm-hmm. for years ago, years and years ago, where he's like his true self and is so deeply funny. Mm. 
um, it kind of helps you understand his motivations a little better as much as they can be understood. So I recommend listening to that. Um, I think it's just was the Ringer show at the time um, to if you want to better understand Nathan Fielder. Okay, I check that out. Yeah, Dan, will you watch season two? Absolutely. What about you, Meg? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is your thing. I don't know if I'm. I like that about myself, but it's gonna happen. I told Meg after watching the first two episodes, I said I don't think this is necessarily for me. But if I had seen it, at, and Meg hadn't, I would go to Meg and be like, I found a show for you. Like, I just knew that it was going to be This hers. was me two weeks yeah. ago with Emily. I was really? I, I sat at lunch, and I had to spend all lunch convin- convincing Emily that she needed to watch this show. Uh-huh. And she did. And then she did, and she loved it and hated it. Which we all did. Yeah. For a lot of the same reasons we yeah. talked about, yeah. 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 Excited to see what he does in season two. Yeah. Hope Remy's okay. I hope I didn't sound like a heartless um, B-word. So would you let your kids do this? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, actually, Stan would be, be fine. really Stan, funny. I would not worry about Stan at all. He's a little like, sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> he fit right in. Yeah, yeah. this morning on his way to preschool. Bye, Mrs. Butt. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd be okay. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for being here. Name of your podcast one more time. Uh, Mode Push: An American View on F1. Available wherever you listen to your podcast. Can't wait. Uh, Eli and I are about to record a bonus episode on the Gentleman's Agreement starring Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Um, Okay, listen. Here's the thing about the bonus episodes. If you have Spotify, they'll just be in your feed. If you don't, go to an Apple podcast under library, click in the top right corner, three dots, add show by URL, copy and paste the RSS feed in there. You should have the RSS feed in your subscription email. It sounds complicated. It's really not. DM me, Meg.Walter, if you're having any issues. Thank you so much for listening. Dan, thanks again for being here. We will be back next week to talk about A League of Their Own, which turns out is just like a lesbian show. Yeah, like all shows are lesbian shows now. Yeah. All right, see you then. Mm -hmm.